Mindfulness Mode 312. As you become more spiritual, you can surrender more instead of trying to force things. You're listening to Mindfulness Mode, and I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks for joining today, everybody. Great to have you with us. It's awesome. Oh, I want to tell you what else is awesome. I'm really excited because I have been accepted as a contributor, a writer, to the publication Addicted to Success. And you can check out my first article. All you have to do is just search it on Google. Just type in five reasons why not meditating is hindering your success. And if you type that that in, you'll find my article. It'll pop right up. Again, it's five reasons why not meditating is hindering your success. And you know what would be fantastic? Would you leave a comment on the bottom of that? That would make my day, I'm telling you. So it just says at the bottom, leave a comment, and you could type in a comment there. I think you have to leave your email address or something, but it doesn't publish it. So I would really be thrilled if you wouldn't mind doing that. And I'm always thrilled when I receive comments. So send me a a comment, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Today, I am thrilled to have a well-known and super well-known morning host and he's actually morning coach that's what he calls himself he's the morning coach and his show is that it has been downloaded over 22 million times wow so sit back relax and enjoy today's interview with the amazing jb Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have got a great guest today. I've got J.B. Glossinger with me. Hey, J.B., are you in mindfulness mode? Hey, always, Bruce. I love mindfulness. I think it's something we all need more, so I'm excited about being here. Yeah, I totally agree. We really can use more mindfulness wherever we go. J.B. Glossinger is host and creator of The Morning Coach, a successful podcast, and and that is is an understatement, a successful podcast that's been downloaded over 22 million times. JB is a speaker, a coach, an author, and he holds advanced degrees in business and metaphysics. His degrees provide great credibility, but JB says his street education is what has delivered the best life-changing lessons. And he's talking about black eyes, near bankruptcy, stuff like that. JB is the author of The Sacred Six, the simple step-by-step process for focusing your attention and recovering your dreams. So JB, for you, what is mindfulness? What's it all about in your life? Well, I think mindfulness is, is really about um, Ram Das taught us years ago to be here now. And so I believe that mindfulness is being present. When you're with your family, be with your family. When you're in your business, be in your business. When you're uh, having fun, have fun. And, you know, I think that's really the key to, to mindfulness. I love it. It's, I think it's really something we need more of in the world today. I think people are just so caught up in their life that, you know, being in the moment, getting here is what's so important. Well, I think you're right. And from what I know about you, you seem to have fun in your business, in your life, wherever you go. And you've kind of worked it out to make sure you can do that. And how did you do that? How did I'm sure that you going back had some challenges. You talked about street smarts and and what you learned from being on the street. Tell me about that. You know, the tough times when you, you know, you got a black eye or whatever. What was going on there? 
Well, I, I, I don't want to say that I'm not frustrated because I've been frustrated over the years, like everybody else. I mean, I've had technical failures. We've went from, you know, we had 1200 members in morning coach down to 500 at times because the technology's failed and we've had problems. So it's not always roses, but you can yeah. still appreciate even those experiences because I think every way along the way you're learning something. And two of the people that had a big influence in my life, one particular is Wayne Dyer, Dr. Mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer. And I was very fortunate to share the stage and get to speak with him before he passed away. And if you look at Wayne's work, it kind of reflects kind of my work and the fact that I kind of started off psychological and business. I was an MBA and, you know, I learned goal setting from the masters and the teachers. And I got to the point in my life where I was running an aerospace company and I was miserable. I was really unhappy. I was mad at myself because I come from a blue collar family and I was making 10 times what my parents normally made every year. And I was like, why am I so upset? You know, this is, I was getting, you know, I was punishing myself. There's no reason for you to be upset. You're making money, settle in, just love your life. And, and I was miserable. And, um, you know, I started studying Wayne and, you know, looking at his career, he started off with psychology, kind of similar business. And then his later work was all about God and spirituality, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, same things happened for me through the years. You know, I, I, I was such a business person and everything was about business. And over the last five or six years, it started to transition more about contribution and spirituality and less about the four hour work week and, you know, not working and building residual income and more about contribution and how I can help people. And that transition really helped me. And in order to fulfill that transmission, tra uh, that, that situation, I started to um, move forward into, into understanding Michael Singer's work. And Michael Singer has, has wrote, wrote some books called The Surrender Experiment and then allowing God, allowing me to surrender uh, to the things that were coming in my life were critical. Yeah, I really love that book that Michael Singer wrote, The Surrender Experiment. So do you know Michael Singer? I don't know Michael Singer. And it's funny because he's one of the people that doesn't market. He just yes. never has. He went on Oprah once because she begged him, but he just doesn't really believe in it. And I, I need to get up to Northern Florida because I do appreciate his work. And um, I think as you become more spiritual, you can surrender more instead of trying to force things, which I think a lot of people do in life. They're, you know, they're trying to force everything instead of just kind of surrendering to what comes into your life and doing it. Well, when you read that book, you get the feeling that he had that nailed from the beginning, that he just, I mean, he, he did so much meditation for a long time, but then he just let things happen, let things go. And that seems like the biggest theme when I talk with successful guests is that yes. they have learned how to do that, how to surrender. How do you surrender? Yeah, I, I think the key is just, just, you know, getting out of your own head, becoming mindful, right? Getting yeah. out of your own head. And, and then being able to think about, you know, the, the stuff that's going on in your heart and just allowing yourself to feel that intuition. I think we've, we've had so many successes and failures in our life that we tend to fade ourselves. And what I mean yeah. by fade is we don't believe anymore. Fading is a gambling term. So if you're gambling okay. and you keep losing, you keep losing, you start to think, I'm going to bet on the other team. I think this team's going to win, so I'm going to bet on the other team. You fade yourself. That's the term. Right. I think that happens in life. We start to, we have failure, at least what we feel is failure, even though it's, we're getting lessons out of it. And we start to think, oh, I can't trust that anymore. I'm going to do the opposite or listen to somebody else, or I'm going to try to do what they're doing because I don't have any faith in myself anymore. So you've got to get that back in order to surrender. So JB, do you meditate? Is that part of your life? Yes, every day. I mean, I try to do, you know, I'm not a long meditator. You know, I'm not a guy that sits in a, in a weird posture with a, with a pillow or anything. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I do about 10 minutes. Uh, it's important to me. I do a walking meditation also. But yes, I, 
I find that, it, you know, I'm not a 60 minute guy of too much energy, but 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there really makes a big difference for me. So you say you love to help people. What's the best way you help people? Well, I, I think, you know, mining is just partaking, um, partaking and helping people with energy. You know, as I coach people and as I do morning coach and the things that I do, people always feel a little better and they have some hope and some energy. And, you know, my objective is to help them think a little differently about the system. And so we're all in this system and how I help is getting people out of that system to look at it from a different perspective and realize what has gotten them where they're at. It doesn't need to be that way. You could actually work on the fringes of this economic system that we have and, and really build an amazing life and find peace and joy and happiness without being so caught up in the Facebook algorithm and what does my neighbor have and all the other stuff. That, so the political stuff is another big one, right? Getting so caught up in that that you don't really move forward. Now, you get a lot of peace and joy out of being healthy and eating healthy. Let's talk about that. What's When did that become part of your life? Well, it, not, it hasn't been. It, it, um, I was, when I first started my business, I failed. I lost my house. Uh, I wrote a book that didn't succeed. Uh, you know, I, I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do and it all went wrong. And part of the problem was I, um, my physical fitness wasn't where it needed to be. I, I actually lost weight instead of gaining weight. And I just didn't have the energy. And I met a guy named Mike Lee Canaric, who's ex-Israeli special forces. He's a Galani, uh, from, from the IDF. And, and I met him and he came into my life and, you know, I was a peace, love, happiness guy, you know, okay, and yeah. he kind of knocked me around a little bit and got me in the best shape of my life. And now I train with him all the time. But my, it was at my, there was a major correlation between me getting in shape physically and mentally, even, even in that sense, and my business really taking off. So I think you don't have to be a supermodel. You don't have to be in fantastic shape, but you do need to move and take care of your health. And I believe there's some metaphysics behind it. Because if you don't take care of yourself, are you really showing God or the whatever universe, whatever you believe, that you even have any value? So if you don't take care of yourself, you really don't have that self-value. And I think that's there's a direct correlation to success. Yeah, I do too. And what kind of movement do you do? I train crazy. So, you know, I train Mondays and Wednesdays with kettlebells. And then I have what we call Haganah, which is hand-to-hand and knife defenses after that. And then I have Glock at Wednesday night. Once a week we do, uh, you know, our Glock because he obviously trains special forces around the world. And I, you know, help with that and work in that area. And so we do all kinds of stuff. So Monday, Monday, uh, Monday, Tuesdays and Thursdays are run a 5K. Monday, Wednesdays and Saturdays I, I work out with the group. Um, and then, um, I golf almost every day. So I'm, I'm out a lot and, and doing yeah. a lot of physical activities. Yeah. You know, that is awesome. So let's talk about business and how you help people with their business. You said a lot of it is about surrender and changing mindset. Where do you start when you start helping somebody out? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, we, we have so many people in the internet marketing world and I actually have a little issue with that, right? So a lot of people don't realize the first thing you got to do is be able to build a platform to be an expert at something. And I see a lot of people see other people be successful and they go out and a lot of people are teaching that it's really easy to do all this stuff. And the yeah. truth is it, it, it's not easy. It's not hard, but it's not easy, but you got to first establish your expertise. So instead of um, you know, thinking that this is going to bring you freedom, find out what you really love and what you're passionate about and build from there. And I'm talking more of the solo entrepreneur than the corporate. Corporate can work too. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people hear me and say, oh, you know, I got to be an entrepreneur. No, you can build a great career, 
just watch buying into all the hype of the upper, you know, 1% of people that actually have success in something. You know, podcasting is a good example. Most people don't make a lot of money podcasting, but they see other people doing and they do a podcast, not because they're passionate about it, because they see it as a means of money, you know, and that's an issue. I look at golf's a great example. There's probably 200 golfers that make real money. Mm -hmm. There's millions and millions of other people. So in order to be the best and really get to the point where you're making real money, there's, there's work involved in that. And it's, it's not going to be done by taking a course. It's not going to be done by, by, you know, buying, doing what somebody else is doing. You got to find your uniqueness and your ability to do what brings you love and, and put it out to the world. And that's what will work. So JB, you wrote a book and I want to know what kind of mindfulness it took to actually make that book happen. Was it easy? Did you just kind of throw that thing together and it all happened or did it take years? What was it like? Uh, books are interesting because some books take longer than others. But, you know, I have a good friend that I've got some writers that are really good friends. They say you should be able to write a book in three months. And I agree with that. Like if you sit down, then you're the expert. Write the book in three months. My book took a little longer than that, but I was massaging it through. The editing process took forever because it was published by Hay House. But, right. you know, I really feel that if you're really dedicated, 60,000 words, the, the, the task seems monumental. But that's about where we want books to be right now because people can read it in a couple settings. You can do a thousand words a day. You can get to 60,000 words and then start editing. Um, anybody that's, anybody that's got any ability to kind of put a message out or as an expert should be able to do a thousand words a day. Well, it's called the sacred six, the simple step-by-step process for focusing your attention and recovering your dreams. So can you share what some of the sacred six are? Yeah. So the sacred six involves a couple components. Um, it actually comes from a, a wonderful story that I heard laying on my sofa at 20 years old from Earl Nightingale, lead the field. Now this is crazy. If you're in the personal development at all, uh, this is one of the first albums ever, right? It was actually an album that became yes. a set tape. And on there was an, was a magical story of, that Napoleon Hill told, which is another icon, right? So you yeah. have Earl Nightingale and Napoleon Hill telling the story about Ivy Lee and I'm listening to this, and I believe he's talking to Charles Schwab. Now, not the Charles Schwab of the finance that we know, but Charles Schwab, who used to run the steel mills for Andrew Carnegie. So listen to some of these names, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm listening to this album, and he talks about how, how this guy came in and said, look, at, uh, uh, to, to um, Charles, he goes, I got an idea that can help you. And he's like, look, I don't need any more knowing. I need more doing. And he's like, well, listen to me. I've got something that'll help you. He goes, I want you to write down the six things you need to do tomorrow. Prioritize them one through six. Start on number one and don't move to number two until number one's finished. Now, he said, there's a lot of distractions in life. So we want to make sure we get number one done. This was in 1910. You know, yeah. they didn't have iPads and, you know, phones and, you know, all this stuff. In 1910, they had distractions. I mean, they had a send a pony across the country to deliver mail back then. So they had that problem then. So I heard this 25 years ago. I'm like, why is anybody talking about this? You know, and, and actually Charles Schwab and Andrew Carnegie say that this method was amazing. Like it changed their organization. It's what built the steel mills in the early 1910s. And so um, Charles Schwab gave him a check for $25,000, Ivy Lee, uh, which literally in today's money is about a quarter of a million dollars for this 15-minute technique. So I heard that back then and started utilizing this in my day-to-day -day life back when I was in corporate, and it went great. And then as I studied personal development over 20 years, I added components to the Sacred Six, such as mission, values, and goals to make it a complete life program, so not just daily. Because one thing I found from the great teachers that is missing 
is clarity. Like me, I followed goals. I did neuro-linguistic programming. I did everything they said. And I got to a very point of or pinnacle of success, but I was miserable because nobody helped me with clarity. So the sacred six not only helps you focus and get organized, but it also helps you get clear about what that focus and organization should be on. So it's grounded in a great story from Napoleon Hill and these guys back in the day and brought into the modern day with more of a complete life system. That's what the book's all about. Well, there's a lot of talk about clarity, but how do we actually achieve that? It's challenging. I mean, and it's, it's a moving target. I think part of the issue is a lot of people think the Archangel Gabriel is going to come down and give them this life's calling, you know, and yeah. uh, the, the trumpets are going to blare and this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and yes, that happens to some people, but most of us mere mortals, that doesn't happen. No. So <laughs> the way you get clear is just by living your life and, and thinking about the things you loved as a child. As you look around my office, I got stuff all over that's just toys and games. And the reason is because I always want to keep going back to my childhood. Mm. You saw my bookshelf back here. I've got, you know, uh, tons of Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I'm a big reader and book guy. And I was an old D&D guy. So I have all that stuff surrounding me. I have Groot over here who I love, uh, giant Groot. And, and, and I do that because I want to keep channeling that inner child that inner energy because that's where i get my clarity of what i'm going to do next yeah well and you spend so much time playing golf let's talk about the mindfulness of that game yeah for me i'm on the computer all the time like i love it i'm a technology junkie so i'm always on here you know i've got new in fact i got i just got a new camera in which is a 360 camera i got a new bag i got all kinds of stuff so for me i have to get away from the computer sometimes okay you know and so golf allows me to get out in that space and allows me to be a little competitive but it gets me away from any type of technology whatsoever even though i have my phones with me i normally keep them in my bag so for me it's it's i think there's something sacred about nature one of my churches to me is my is nature and golf allows me to do a couple things at once which connects to that yeah, yeah. So let's talk more about your churches. What's your other church? Uh, you know, I find um, that I can find God in any religion. And that's what I love is, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that are Jewish. I have a lot of friends that are Christian. I have a lot of friends that are Muslim. And I can go anywhere and find God. And that's what's so beautiful when, you know, you, you can kind of transcend the dogmatic religion. I believe in religious pluralism, which means there's many paths, right? So yeah. back in the day, if you look at when the prophets came and when Jesus was here, you know, the, the, like Australia and the United States, those are different planets. You couldn't get to those. So, uh, you know, I believe there were different paths and you got to find your path. So for me, my church is everywhere. And that's a beautiful thing because it allows me to connect with different people and different, uh, just different cultures and, and really enjoy it and really remove judgment. And so part of your path is through your podcast, Morning Coach. Now, you started your podcasting life back in 2006. What made you decide to do that? Well, I failed. Um, first of all, I, I, my book didn't work. We couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, I fell into the bottle. I drank a little bit and yeah. was trying to just end the suffering because I didn't know what to do. I thought I was going to have to go back to, to work. I gave up a great career, uh, had lost a lot of money. And uh, I got a buddy of mine said, why don't you do a thing in the morning? So it actually didn't start off as a podcast. It actually started as a conference call because I didn't even know what podcasting was. And so I'd do a conference call every morning, giving people this good energy and put it on MySpace, hoping to sell a few books. And eventually we had 100 people um, you know, listening and we broke the conference lines. And so I couldn't afford any conference lines. So I had to figure something out and I was Googling. It wasn't Google then. It was Yahoo or some weird thing back in the day. Yeah. And I, I found this thing called podcasting and I just started putting the, 
the, the recording up. I actually, I actually used to record my podcast with the phone next to my ear. That's how I started. And did you do one a day? Did you do them that every often? Day. Yeah, every I did day. Them every day. Started back then, Monday through Friday. It was only okay. until last year that I started doing Saturday to Sunday. So I do them 365 days of the year, and I do them more for me. Uh, than I than I really do for anybody else. I know it sounds weird because we got a big membership and we got a lot of people involved with the podcast, but I need it. I come home first thing in the morning. I take the walk, dog for a walk, and um, I'm coming up on episode three thousand, and and uh, I sit down and do the podcast. Now I'm going to start doing some video. I'm going to experiment and put it up on YouTube to see if that works too. Right. Uh, starting this year, but we'll see. Uh, the only thing is, I'm going to have to now get take a shower and get cleaned up before I do it because normally sometimes I just come in and sit down and rock it. You know. Yeah. 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 So, so do you uh, batch record or do you just record your episode every day? And it's, it's- I, I tried that a couple of times now, full disclosure, every once in a while, I will, if I go on vacation, but I'll let everybody know, yeah. but no, I don't like the energy. I, I like to do it every day. Again, I do it for myself. So it gets my day started. Right. Uh, I do do it the day before because I've got a huge group in Australia and, and Europe and we need it up at midnight because it's their morning. Right. So sure. I'm always a day ahead. Yeah. But that's it. So I'm always a day ahead and I do it every day. Rain, shine, sick, whatever. I, I, I do it. So what pops into your head as some of the most interesting responses you've had to your podcast, people reaching out to you? My, my, uh, my most interesting one is, is really my avatar. Um, I had a woman send me a, a, a package of handwritten notes or an email or a letter she wrote me. And as I read it, it was very disturbing, actually. I read it and she said, I want to thank you. And I just want to tell you what happened. And I said, okay. She said, I got married. I went and met this beautiful man. We moved to Europe. He was from Europe, had two beautiful children. Things were great until one day he started to abuse me. And I'm reading this going, wow. And she goes, I used to go in the closet and I was searching for something positive and morning coach came up. So I would listen to you. So the children would leave and he would abuse me and I would go in the closet. I'm reading this. I flip the page. I'm like, wow. And she goes, one day you did a podcast on strength. And I was thinking about leaving, but I, I didn't know when. And then he started really drinking more and started to abuse the children. And I flipped the page and she said, and then what I had, I decided to do is get the money out of the bank that I could. We bought tickets to California, flew to California. I continue to pay you your monthly fee for membership. And I'm reading this going, wow. And she goes, my two kids were here. I didn't know anything. I was reading how tough it was and the job she had to get. And she said, but I got to tell you, as I got to the end of the letter, she goes, I'm here on the beach today. Yesterday I ran a marathon. Both my beautiful kids were with me. I've got a new person in my life and my life is great. Thank you. And so for me, everything changed when I got that letter because it's when I stopped thinking about the business and started thinking about her. And so in the morning when I'm going for my walk and maybe I'm listening to Wayne Dyer, or Tony Robbins or something, I'm coming back and I'm like, maybe I don't feel that good. All I got to do is think about her and I'm on the microphone because I know there's people out there that need the message that are going through a lot tougher things than what other people are. And I'm ready there and helping her. And, and, I, and even from a business lesson, I think everybody should have that type of person in your life because it's what's going to make you make great content instead of just mediocre stuff. Yeah, for sure. That's a powerful story, JB. JB, were you ever bullied or do you have a bullying story you can share with us where mindfulness would have made a difference? I actually am very blessed in that I got along with everybody. I never really had any issues. I, you know, I got along back in the day when we were going to school, we had stoners, we called them hoods and jocks. And I, I wasn't any of that. I was a nerd that played sports and listened to death metal. 
So I, I never really got bullied because I, I got along with the nerds because I love computers and we had the old apples and I would play Dungeon Dragons with them. And then I'd go yeah. play football and basketball with the jocks. And then I would go hang out with the nerds and smoke a cigarette and listen to Metallica. So I, I got along with everybody. I never really had an issue with that. And I'm very blessed because I know that's a big issue for a lot of people. But I think if you can learn from me being diverse and not getting involved in just one particular clique, I think can help anybody that's being bullied. It's just try to understand where other people come from instead of seeing them and judging them because they listen to some death metal, get to know them, you know, and the nerds, people are people. And I think that's what stopped me from ever being bullied because I had people in all the circles that I got along with. I think that's great advice. And what about in business? Did you ever experience anything like that in business? Business is an odd thing because, you know, when I first started, when I went from free to paid in 2009, it was brutal. I had people say, JB, you're a jerk. I mean, you can look at the reviews. There's 53 negative reviews still on iTunes about how bad I was. I can't believe you're trying to make money at this, you know, and I'm like, God, I did this for two years and it it hurt me. I mean, I cried. Uh, it, It was devastating that day. I mean, people were hateful, but what I learned is that I had 12,000 people in a website and 10% of them came with me, 1,200 of them, that there's an old song that says, love the one you're with, that that's when I realized I can't please everybody, you know, and I don't want the people I can't please. I'm going to build my business around those people that love me and work with me. And honestly, I had trouble back in the day when I was free because you were still getting everybody. And like I was mentioning a little bit earlier before we went on the interview, Tim and Gary, who are friends of mine, Tim went on to build this huge business. Gary went on to build a huge business. My business is smaller, but it's with people that I love and can work with. And part of the reason that I had a hard time dealing with the criticism of the free crowd, right? It was really challenging for me. And so it hindered me a little bit because I didn't continue to expand but it also allowed me to have a great life without all the noise and the negativity that some of those people, and I say 60% of the people just don't get it, right? And they don't care about you. They don't value you. They're just looking to take advantage. That was a big lesson for me. Now I'm big enough, like, I don't mean big enough. I don't have an ego, but I've, I've got a successful enough business that I can put stuff out there now. And if somebody comes to me, my people defend me. So it's really cool. So I don't have to, you know, walk on eggshells anymore. Well, Wayne Dyer, you might have heard his quote about, you know, what other people think about me is none of my business. Did you ever hear him say that? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love the fact that, you know, when he would get something like that, he would just take and put it in the round file. You know, that's because I I don't mind. Thanks for sending it in, but it's going, I'm going to file it. Yeah. And it's going in the round file. Yeah, I love Wayne. Like I said, I was very fortunate to get to know him at uh, the late stages of his life, went to lunch. God, what a great guy. Yeah, and what was it like spending time with him? I know that you shared the stage with him when you you spoke a couple of times. Well, the most magic moment that I had with Wayne, Reed Tracy is the CEO of Hay House, another amazing yes. person, um, just beautiful person, um, introduced me to Wayne and I had him on my show. It was before his, his uh, Clearly book. I can think clearly now. And uh, we went, we had a great show and he said, hey, you know, Reed was telling me about your business. It's very interesting. And at the end of it, I said, yeah, Wayne, but you know that, uh, podcasting, I mean, not podcasting, but internet business and what I'm doing self-help is very, very difficult. It's very challenging. A lot of people don't want it. They don't really realize it. And the phone line went quiet and he's in Hawaii. And I'm thinking, man, either we disconnected or he's really angry. And we sat there for what it seemed like forever. Yeah. That JB, it's never been hard for me. And it hit me like a sledgehammer. It was a billion dollar lesson because in that moment, I realized that none of this has ever been hard. And all the perception, I mean, I play golf, I have fun, you know, maybe I'm not making millions and millions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. But it's never been hard. 
this has never been hard. It's all it's psychologically maybe, but it's never been hard. So that was a, a billion dollar lesson to me that day on the phone. Huge. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a guy to learn lessons from because he's got so much wisdom, you know, he's shared so much over the years. Yeah. So I want to move ahead, JB, as we uh, close in on the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? Uh, I would say Eckhart Tolle, Eckhart Tolle, you know, and I always say yeah. Tolle um, because I read The Power of Now and it really changed my life. You know, getting into that moment, I think that was one of my biggest transitions was understanding the moment. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, JB? It's huge. I wish I could stay in it more. You know, I, I wish I could be more mindful. I, I, I don't believe in emotional control. I believe in emotional command, which means you just understand it. Vic, Victor Frankl, who I love, who was in a concentration camp as a psychologist, said, you know, suffering stops being suffering when you understand it. I'm butchering that. But basically, when you're mindful and you can understand the emotion, and this is somebody in a concentration camp, right, trying to understand suffering, as you understand it and become more mindful, it can dissipate. And that's what I learned from Victor Frankl. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing's big. I mean, if you start to understand the fundamentals of meditation, a lot of people don't know how to do it. And really, if you just focus on your breath and you just kind of think about it, you're doing it right. I mean, if you if you have to ask yourself, am I doing this right? I think yeah. you're starting to do it. So breath, just concentrating on the breathing in and out is probably the most basic form of, of meditation that brings you mindfulness. So what book would you recommend, which is related to the topic of mindfulness? Um, again, going back to the power now, I think that's a, I, I think, I honestly believe that's a sacred text. I think it's powerful. I do like the course of miracles from the manual of students. Uh, the book itself is really challenging, but I think if you go through the manual of students once in your life, it'll help you become a little more mindful. Yeah. And of course I want to mention your book, the sacred six. So mindful tribe, get your hands on JB's book, the sacred six, the simple step-by-step -step process for focusing your attention and recovering your dreams. So JB, can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful or that you would suggest? Uh, you know, I'm not an app guy, which is weird. I don't, I have a movie. I've tried the muse with technology, but yes. I'm kind of not into the technological side of mindfulness. For me, it's more about nature and getting away from technology because I'm so attached to it, if that makes sense. So I know there's a lot of good ones out there, but for me, when it comes to mindfulness, I want to get away from tech and really connect with nature. Yeah, that makes sense. I do too. I love getting out into nature and, and what's your best way to get out into nature and enjoy it? Just well, golf. golf. I'm going to tell you, golf, yeah. that four hours a day, yeah. four and a half hours, just getting out there and hitting that little ball and taking out some aggression, it, it, it really helps me uh, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Well, JB, it has been great talking with you. How can we connect with you and learn more about what you do? Uh, you can just go to morningcoach.com and, and forward slash mindfulness. And I think the team puts together a bunch of great giveaways and stuff too on that page. Um, I'm not much of a self promoter. I just go out there and do what I do, but, uh, yeah, you can always check us out at morning coach. I do a podcast every day. It's about energy. Yeah. JB, it has been great having you on the show. Thanks so much and have a great mindful rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. And keep doing what you're doing. We, the world needs more mindfulness. So everybody make sure you're getting this, get, getting this word out. Cause we need more Bruce's stuff out there. <laughs> Thanks JB. Take care. No problem. Yeah. Bye now. 
Mindful Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, please subscribe and leave a comment on the bottom of the episode on my website. That's mindfulnessmode.com. And of course, I'll mention you in an upcoming episode. Remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.